Hey, good morning, everyone. Thank you so much for tuning in and uh, joining us for worship this morning. Hey, I want to uh, uh, just share uh, something with you guys uh, that's happening uh, this evening. If uh, you would like to lend a hand, we are going to uh, be uh, needing some help up at the church building uh, in the worship center. Uh, well, and other parts of the building as well, moving some things out of the worship center, uh, trying to get some things cleaned up and that kind of thing. Uh, if you would like to come and help uh, move, there's a lot of lot of stuff to move, light things, heavy things, all the stuff, uh, but it all has to be cleaned as well, wiped down and so on and so forth. So we need lots of different kinds of help. We're going to be doing this from 5 to 8 tonight. Uh, that's December the 6th to 2020, in case you're hearing this message later. But uh, uh, just uh, wanted to throw that out there in case you would like to help us. This is going to help us move forward and getting back into the building. Uh, and uh, we are excited about uh, all the progress that is being made and uh, uh, should have some really awesome updates here very soon. So anyway, just uh, throwing that out there to you. And uh, thank you so much again for worshiping with us this morning. Um, I want to share with you a passage of scripture. Um, this is uh, that time of year uh, where we get to celebrate the birth of our Savior. And uh, so we're entering into a series this morning called Peace on Earth. And uh, I'm reminded of, uh, you know, that obviously that is part of the, uh, the story of Christ coming uh, into this world, peace coming to the earth. Uh, and that sounds so nice to us right now, doesn't it? Doesn't peace sound so nice? Wouldn't we love to find peace all over the earth at all times uh, right now? And uh, uh, the truth is, is that God did send peace to the earth. He sent it through Jesus. Uh, and uh, I want to talk specifically about uh, the over this over this series, over the course of the series, I want to talk specifically about the different people that we see God call into uh, the story of the birth of our Savior. Um, you know, I, I often think there's so many things that we don't know about uh, that we don't necessarily have in Scripture that God didn't deem it important for us to know and that kind of thing. Uh, but what we do have um, has importance to it such as the different types of people uh, that God called in to be a part of the whole story of when Christ came. And so uh, this week, we're going to look at the wise men. And uh, the wise men are an interesting group. And uh, I want to read this passage that we see in Matthew chapter 2. Uh, if you want to go there with me, that's where we'll be today. Uh, but in Matthew chapter 2, we see uh, this piece of the story of God working through uh, these wise men. And so uh, how about we go ahead and read that, and then let's talk about them just a little bit. Um, it says this, Matthew chapter 2, verse 1, it says, Now after Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea, in the days of Herod the king, behold, wise men from the east came to Jerusalem, saying, Where is he who has been born king of the Jews? For we saw his star when it rose and have come to worship him. When Herod the king heard this, he was troubled, and all Jerusalem with him. And assembling all the chief priests and scribes of the people, he inquired of them where the Christ was to be born. They told him in Bethlehem of Judea. For so it was written by the prophet, O you, O Beth and you, O Bethlehem in the land of Judah, are by no means least among the rulers of Judah, for from you shall come a ruler who will shepherd my people Israel. Now this is from Second Samuel chapter five. 
And, and basically, uh, Herod the Great at this point is scared to death because he's the king, of course, and he's scared that there is this king that has been foretold that is going to come, and all of this, excuse me, <laughs> all of this time leading up to him being the king, he's known about this other prophesied king, and suddenly this is happening while he's king. Well, he feels threatened because he thinks that uh, the Messiah that has been foretold is going to be a political king. So many people thought that. Most people at that time thought that. And so um, literally he gets his specialists together and says, find out where the king is supposed to be born. And they go back and look at Scripture. They look at the prophecies. They find out where it was told. 2 Samuel 5 tells it's going to happen in Bethlehem. So now they're looking toward Bethlehem. Verse 7, it goes on. It says, Then Herod summoned the wise men secretly and ascertained from them what time the star had appeared. And he sent them to Bethlehem, saying, Go and search diligently for the child. And when you have found him, bring me word that I too may come and worship him. Herod is lying here. Herod is not interested in going and worshiping Jesus. He is interested in killing Jesus. Uh, verse 9, it goes on. After listening to the king, they went on their way. And behold, the star that they had seen when it rose went before them until it came to rest over a place where the child was. When they saw the star, they rejoiced exceedingly with great joy. And going into the house, they saw the child with Mary, his mother, and they fell down and worshipped him. And opening their treasures, they offered him gifts, gold and frankincense and myrrh. And being warned in a dream not to return to Herod, they departed their own country by another way. So God even intervened in this story where uh, he gave the wise men a dream that they would know not to go back to Herod so that Herod wouldn't know exactly where to go uh, because obviously he wanted to know where Jesus was, but not to worship him. He wanted to kill him. The interesting thing, uh, some interesting things about the wise men. Uh, first of all, the wise men uh, were, you know, we got songs like We Three Kings and stuff like that. And Great as they are, uh, the truth is, is that they weren't kings. Uh, we don't see that in Scripture. Uh, what we do see is we see them as wise men, uh, and these guys were guys that were known uh, for being wise because they dabbled in so many things, such as astrology, uh, magic, dream interpretation. Um, you know, they studied sacred writings. Uh, they more than you know likely knew the Old. Testament. Testament prophecies of the Messiah to come, even if they weren't followers of God Himself, uh, because usually in situations like this, you know, this was more for for them as a people, for them, for these guys in particular, they were more about pursuing wisdom and trying to be one up on the other people, um, you know, in the world at that time, and having some sort of knowledge or ability or power uh, that others didn't have, and so they were looking to all things. They weren't just looking to the Lord uh, at that point in time. They weren't followers of God, so to speak. So 
you know, basically, if you want to put it in a nutshell, uh, you basically got like a, pag- a bunch of pagan astrologers slash magicians um, who uh, were very well to do. They come bearing incredibly expensive gifts, um, and and those gifts, honestly, the gold, frankincense, myrrh—that uh, is actually stuff that we don't know. You know what Joseph and Mary did with those things, but uh, it's often believed that they may have been the things that actually carried them through uh, to their flight to Egypt. If you go to the passage after this passage, you'll see that um, that God leads them not to go back uh, to Jerusalem, not to go back to Nazareth, but to flee to Egypt. And so they do. Uh, and so very possibly those things that were presents given to the Lord were things that they used to monetarily help them survive getting through all this crazy stuff that God was calling them to and through at that time period. And so on top of all of this, you know, these guys uh, came with an entourage. They came, you know, with all kinds of people and, you know, uh, they they probably didn't do a whole lot of walking themselves. You know, that kind of throws the picture, you know, of what we think about when we think about the wise men and the nativity and and even that, even the nativity, uh, it's believed that more than likely it was probably like two years later uh, that the wise men, you know, showed up on the scene. You know, just given some things and what we can historically figure out uh, with what's going on throughout the story here. Um, and so there, there's there's a lot of this, lot to this. But but you know, all that's interesting, all that's great. Uh, what I find most interesting is that God called these guys, you know, guys that are not really trying to follow Him. Uh, but are just kind of into different things. And you think about it, like if they're astrologers, how God may have used this star. Um, it's a moving star, by the way, uh, not just one thing in the sky, so to speak, but you know, it's kind of leading them to where they need to be to find Jesus. Um, and uh, you know, just how amazing is that, that God might use something that they were specialists in uh, to lead them to him. Uh, I love that. I, I really love that. Uh, again, these guys had great status at that time period. Uh, they probably had great wealth. And oftentimes, I think for um, so many things, when we when we think about uh, wealth and riches and money and all those things, uh, that kind of clashes sometimes with the gospel. Now, it really doesn't, but it does in a way too, because when we think about people that have a lot of money and we think about people that are well-to-do, uh, a lot of times we think about people that don't need from other people. They don't need other uh, other things. That's that's their perception. or And sometimes it's even uh, the perception of those that don't have money that people that are rich don't need anything. And the truth is, is that we all need something. We all, at the very bare minimum, need Jesus. We know that. We get that. Um but the uh, you know the comfort that money brings oftentimes uh, leads us to uh, kind of feeling like we can handle this our own. Kind of makes us our own God, if you will. Well, that being said, it it leads me to to just want to talk about that through this series as we talk about these different people and uh, and and you know how God chose them and and how God even through the gospel continues to teach us something about who He is uh, and about the gospel itself and how it works out. Um, I want to share with you another passage out of Matthew, Matthew nineteen, Matthew nineteen. Uh, we have a back and forth between uh, Jesus and some of his disciples, and I just want to—I just felt like this was beneficial for us as we're thinking about uh, here are these here are these guys that are not really not really followers of God, 
and on top of that are very well to do. And uh, you know what what God is doing here to bring them to worship the Savior of the world, and did they really even understand? who Jesus really was, we don't know for sure. There's no way for us to know that, not today. Uh, but uh, as we think about that, I, I couldn't help but think of this passage, and I wanted to share it with you. Matthew 19, 23, it says, And Jesus said to, the, to his disciples, Truly I say to you, only with difficulty will a rich person enter the kingdom of heaven. Again, I tell you, it is easier for a camel which was the largest animal in that area at that time, it is easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle, which was thought of being the smallest possible thing that they could think of. Um, it'd be easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than a rich person to enter the kingdom of heaven. Huh. Think about that for a minute. Jesus says it's easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle, which is impossible, than for a rich person to enter the kingdom of God. So Jesus is saying something that's impossible is easier than for a rich person uh, to enter the kingdom of God, to enter into heaven. Uh, so let's just keep reading here. It says, verse 25, when the, when the disciples heard this, they were greatly astonished, saying, who then can be saved? But Jesus looked at them and he said, With man this is impossible, but with God all things are possible. Then Peter said in reply, See, we have left everything and followed you. What will we have? Jesus said to them, Truly I say to you, in the new world, when the Son of Man will sit on his glorious throne, you who have followed me, will also sit on 12 thrones, judging the 12 tribes of Israel. And everyone who has left houses or brothers or sisters or father or mother or children or lands for my name's sake will receive a hundredfold and will inherit eternal life. But many who are first will be last and the last first. This passage brings about something that I think is an important thing for us to pay attention to. Um, we as people who live in America, we have a lot. Uh, and even when we feel like we don't have a lot, we wonder if we're going to pay our bills, we still have a lot. Uh, we're pri primarily rich people. Uh, even poor people a lot of times in America are rich people compared to a lot of the people in this world. Um, and the truth is, is that we do find comfort in money at times, and we do find that to be the things that we worship. Um, and I, I think that it's important for us to pay attention to what Jesus is teaching. Number one, God called these particular guys to be a part of the story of the birth of Jesus, that they would come, that they would worship him. Uh, I think that that shows something, first of all. It shows that... Um, no matter how great a status they had or how much money they might have, they were still seeking something. They were still seeking something that we all need. Jesus. I don't know that they really understood that then, but I hope that I understand that now, uh, that the truth of the gospel is, is that we've all fallen short of the glory of God. We all need a Savior. We all need Jesus. 
God the Father sent his son, that we celebrate this time of year, the birth of the Savior, the baby boy being born, that he would grow up and not just be a man, but he would he would live a perfect life to be the only person and the perfect, perfect lamb to be slaughtered on our behalf, that he would give his life on the cross and shed his blood for the forgiveness of our sins. And all we can do to receive that is believe. No matter how much money we've got, we can't even buy it. These guys couldn't buy their salvation if they wanted to. They had all the money in the world and it didn't matter uh, because at the end of the day, the closest they were going to get to that is going and seeing him, but secondly, believing in him to be the son of God and the savior of the world. So, uh, you know, I think it's important for us to be reminded that, uh, you know, you say, Chris, are you saying that rich people can't become Christians, that they'll never go to heaven, that they'll never receive eternal life, that they'll never have the peace that I have in Jesus? No, no, not, not what I'm saying at all. And that's not what Jesus is saying either. I want to go back to verse 26. When Jesus answered that question, when the disciples looked at him and said, who then can be saved? What did he say? He said, with man, this is impossible. But with God, all things are possible. It's hard, even impossible, for a rich man to enter into the kingdom of God. But with God's grace, anything is possible. Anything is possible. And anyone who believes in him will not perish, but have everlasting life. Now, to go along with this thought, I just felt like We'll go ahead and play this out because it's just it's just too easy, and I think that I think it's glorifying to God for us to be reminded. And it's good for me to hear it, and I hope it's good for you to hear it too. I want to share with you one more passage that I felt like spoke to some of this, and specifically to how we make idols in this world uh, out of the things of this world. Matthew, also Matthew, the book of Matthew, Matthew chapter six, verse nineteen. It says this. It says, "Do not lay." Lay up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal. But lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven where uh, treasures in heaven, I'm sorry, where moth and rust destroy and neither thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. I'm going to read that again. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. The eye is the lamp of the body. We talked about that last week. The eye is the lamp of the body. So if your eye is healthy, your whole body is full, will be full of light. But if your eye is bad, your whole body will be full of darkness. If then the light is in if then the light in you is darkness, how great is the darkness? No one can serve two masters, for either he will hate the one and love the other, or he will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and money. This is Jesus. This is Jesus teaching. And I think it is so important for us to see this right now. Because I, I, I know a struggle for all of us at times is how much is too much and you know at what point am I worshiping those things or uh, the money or the, the peace that comes from you know feeling like I've made a safe life for me and my family or you know whatever it is. Um, and the truth is this. Here's the truth. This is a heart check. This passage is a heart check. 
It is helping us to understand something. Not only are we not called to lay up our treasures here on earth, but in heaven, but to be reminded that where your treasure is, there your heart will be also, is good for us today. We need that today. And I think for so many of us, you know, we struggle with that. Maybe, maybe, maybe you're one of those folks that struggles with giving financially giving, you know, just to get to the heart of that. Uh, you know, one, one of those pieces of this is I think to really understand God doesn't need your money. He didn't need the status of the wise men to show up. He called them to it. He chose for them to be a part of this story. Maybe that we might have this conversation now, 2000 years later, but God doesn't need our status and he doesn't need our money. He wants our hearts, and he doesn't want us falling prey to worshiping the things of here and now in this world, whether it be money or possessions or any other thing. And what he does want is he wants to offer to us salvation through his son. And for all who believe, rich or poor or whatever, different races, there is peace on earth for all of us, that we can trust in him. All who believe, all who believe can be saved. And today, I'm praying that you, as you are listening to this, wherever you are, whatever you're doing, I pray that you know Jesus above all things. I pray that you've trusted in him, that you've believed in him with all your heart. Listen, for those of us that are believers May we be willing to fight that fight that we make sure that God is the one on the throne of our hearts, not the things of this world, not money. The reason God calls us to give financially uh, and to give and share the things that we have in this world is because he doesn't want us to worship those things. It's not because he needs it. He will take it and he will use it. He will multiply it and do great things with it if we let him. And uh, But at the end of the day, he doesn't want us to give it out of regret. He doesn't want us to give it with a sour heart. He wants our hearts. That's the point. It's a, it's, a, it's a gauge. It's checking us, checking our hearts, helping us to follow him and who he's called us to be in this world. May there be peace on earth for you, for your family, for us as a church, us as a people, us as a community, us as a country, us as a world, that God may do great things in our lives and be glorified in all of them. Let's pray together. God, thank you so much for your word. Thank you for the reminder, Lord, that you've chosen to include different types of people, not just into the story of the nativity scene, but literally into the story, the whole story of your son, As we think back on his ministry and the people that he loved and he cared about, God, we are challenged by that as we think about peace on earth. God, we pray for that today. We pray for peace on earth. And God, we know that that can only come through Jesus. We know that can only come through your son. God, I pray, Lord, that whoever's listening to this right now, Lord, that they would believe and trust in you. God, for those of us that have believed, God, I pray that you would help us to check our hearts as we are doing our best to be faithful to you. Lord, help us to see 
if we're loving something in this world too much, money, possessions, whatever it is, God lead us in things like giving, lead us that we would do those things because we love you. And Lord, out of true worship for you, not out of guilt or any other thing, Lord God, guide us to be wise men as we go. We ask this in your son's name. Amen.